The Judge Spotlight, Episode Number Seven. Hey everybody, what's up? Yanni Runga here, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Judge Spotlight podcast. I want to start right away because we have so much to talk about today. The topic of this episode is touring the world, and we have a great guest here that shares his story. He's traveling all over the world all the time. He's in Europe, in Asia, in the States, Africa. It's really going to be a great episode. And what I think is really interesting about this guest is that not only he talks about his travels, but he also talks about the tools he uses to plan his tours, to find music venues and festivals to perform at, the one tool he uses to keep his online communications in sync, his schedules, his tweets, his posts on Facebook. So there's really a lot on the plate. I also would like to remind you that the Chat Spotlight podcast is available on iTunes. If you go to thechatspotlight.com slash show and also on Stitcher, if you head over to thechatspotlight.com slash Stitcher. Stitcher is spelled S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R, Stitcher. And like always, you can find the show notes of this episode and the links to the resources we mentioned at thechatspotlight.com slash episode 7. Enjoy this episode. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Yanni Lunga from the Jazz Spotlight Podcast. Welcome to the seventh episode. Today we're going to talk about something that is probably interesting for everyone. I mean, who doesn't like to travel? So today we're going to talk about live on tour. And we have a great guest here who's going to share his story. I'm looking at his website right now. And just to give you an idea of how much he's traveling. At the moment he's in France, in Rennes. And then next week is going to be in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. And after that, you will head to Penang, always in Malaysia. You will head to Japan. And during the summer, it will be in South Africa. And then it will be back in Europe. I see here the Netherlands. So, um, what can I say? There is so, there is so much to say about this guest. So I got to know him. A few years ago, when I was working on a jazz festival back in Switzerland, he, he's just a great guy and most importantly, a super performer. I mean, you, you have to see this guy live if you, if you get a chance. He's originally from South Carolina. He has grown up in Mississippi. Now he lives in Brooklyn. During his career, he has performed with stars like Cassandra Wilson and B.B. King and Charlie Daniels. And last year, he has released his debut album that coincidentally is called The Journey. It's with great, great pleasure that I welcome on the podcast Ezra Brown. Hey, yes, what's up? How's it going, man? How you feeling? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm feeling good, feeling good. I still need some more sleep, but I'm feeling pretty good. Got a little baguette, <laughs> French baguette. I'm feeling right. <laughs> so, where are you exactly in France? I'm in Rennes. In Rennes, okay. And are you? How long are you gonna be there? 
uh, I'm only going to be here a few days. I'm actually, this is maybe the first time that I'm actually taking a kind of vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, I just played in um, Bern, Switzerland for the Blues and Jazz Sessions Festival uh, about a week ago. Mm-hmm. So I've been meaning to visit my friends in France, and then I, I head to Paris, and I fly out to uh, Kuala Lumpur. Man, super busy. How how you like being on the road? Man, I can say that I really love it. I've been um I've been traveling. My first tour was when I was 17. I made this uh United States collegiate band. I was like 50 students from the United States. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, they, they did like a, a tour of Europe. And ever since then, I said, this is what I want to do. I have to travel and I want to play, you know? So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love it. Man, lucky you. But before we go more into details about what it means to be on tour, to be on the road, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started with music? Music? Let's see. My mom plays piano and she sings very well in a city Florence, South Carolina. So she's a, I grew up in a church. She's a, she's a church musician. and she, So I grew up playing in the church. I actually started playing drums in the church. And then I uh, ended up playing saxophone. We're playing like, you know, church hymns. And then I, mm-hmm. then I went to school for music. Uh, went to school, Jackson State University, Mississippi. And that's kind of where everything kind of started there. Um, I was, my first tour was with uh, a young lady, Dorothy Moore, blues singer. She had this song called Misty Blue. I was so young. Uh, we, were, we were going on tour. I was too young to actually go into the club. So I could only go into the club when it was time to play. Then I would have to go back <laughs> on the bus. Yeah, man. It was it was crazy. But um blues really man, really changed my life. And then after that I just played with all of those great blues artists and then um then I ended up moving to New York. I've been in New York about seven and a half years and New York I started playing with a lot of uh, hip hop artists, R and B artists, um and then I really started uh getting things together for my own tour and then I started playing with a lot of French African artists, uh Blitz the Ambassador, Lay Nubian, um, and then started doing mini tours in Europe. And then uh, I released my album last year. So it's it's been a lot of music with a lot of different people. And also I do a lot of horn section stuff too. With uh, I contract horns for a lot of different bands. Man, you're, you're so busy. I wonder how you can manage to do all those things. I have a question for you because you, you, like, you space from from blues and R&B to gospel to hip hop and also jazz. Yeah. What what does it what does that mean? How how do you manage to to do that? Well, in um in the south somewhere like Mississippi, which is like the home of the blues, um it's also like that this really rooted in gospel there and also old R&B like really true R&B because um I have a record label called Uh, Malico Records, and they actually hold the catalog for Stax Records. So all that Stax stuff we play on a normal basis, like you know Aretha Franklin, um, mm-hmm. any of that, any of that old classic Motown stuff. So that's kind of the basis of what I would hear every day. And then, so if you hear that every day, then that goes to blues. And then I grew up around hip hop. I grew up in the hip hop when hip hop first started. You know, like uh. LL Cool J, you know, all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So hearing both of those music at the same time and then staying in the country. So you get a, you get a chance to hear a little banjo, you know, uh, near near Louisiana, maybe a little washboard. 
and a little accordion. So you hear everything. And then, you know, New York kind of, that's when I started uh, listening to a lot of train, you know, started opening my ears up. <laughs> yeah, man. But it's, it's just beautiful. Everything, everywhere I moved shaped my ear. Man, that's that's deep. And what what inf what impact has moving to New York had on your career? Man, moving to New York changed changed my life. I could say New York is the the capital of the world. You know, all of the greatest musicians from all over the world come to New York, and you get a chance to hear all of your all of your greatest musicians that you have albums from, you can see them on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everyone's at the jam session. You know, they have a jam session of Smalls in a place called Fat Cat every night until 4 o'clock or 4 a.m. every single night. So, I mean, sometime I'll just, I'll finish my gig and a lot of us will just go down there. You can see Roy Hargrove anytime. And there are many, many, many great musicians like this guy named Stacey Dillard killing saxophone player uh so you can hear everything you want to hear in new york city so i mean moving to new york like i said changed my life it it heightened my skills because of the the level the great level of musicianship there and even business i would say business wise because i never had a business card until i moved to new york okay that's so you grow up also in that sense also in the business side of, of music Definitely, because New York, they, they would always tell me, man, yeah, it's, it's good, it's good, but you really need a business card, and you really need, you know, a really nice website, and you really need to work on everything else, because everybody's great here. So, I mean, what makes you any different than anyone else from a, a, a present standpoint? So, that's where your business part really comes in handy. Yeah. That's that's totally true. And for those who are listening, talking about the business side of it and the marketing and promotion side of it, if you go to thejazzspotlight.com slash episode two, there is the podcast episode with Bob Yosinski where we talked about effective online promotion for musicians, but also for uh, club owners, festival organizers. So it's definitely it's definitely worth checking out because Bobby gave out some great tips practical things that you can do to improve yourself because as Ezra said there's plenty of great people out there and if you want to be at the same level or even a, a bit <laughs> kind of above them it's important that you have a good website with the right features and that you're active on social media and there are it might sound overwhelming at first but trust me Episode two, you don't want to miss that. It's going to give you great tips. And also, Ezra, you, you mentioned the jam session and the kind of the musical collaboration part of New York. And on episode five, we had my colleague from uh, Snarky Pappy on the show. And he great also guy. talked. I'm sorry? Great guy. Yeah, yeah, great. Super cool guy and great band. They're, they're geek, they're geek rocked. Um, Uh, where was I? Yeah, so he also emphasized um, the importance of New York as, you know, ground for musical collaborations. So the place where you can find the right band members and people for, you know, special guests for collaborations. And now this is where I want to go more into details with you because you have been playing with so many artists. I mean, 
Cassandra Wilson, B.B. King, Blitz Ambassador, Charlie Daniels, and plenty of plenty others. My question to you is, who is the one that has impressed you the most? Hmm. Wow. You, you can choose even a couple and make it easier. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, let's say, uh, okay, one of the ones definitely, um, Bobby Blue Bland. Uh, I toured with Bobby Blue Bland many, many, many years. Um, and uh, Mississippi and blues is about storytelling. From a solo standpoint, it's about storytelling. And also it's about um, placement. You have to deal with time. Mm-hmm. So you have like these thousands of people out there and you have to tell your story in a short amount of time, but it has to be a story. You can't just go out there and, you know, John Cole train it and, you know, and try to play all that over blues. So uh, when I was playing with him, he he was still kind of ill at the time. So he did the whole concert in, in a chair. Mm-hmm. So when you go to play the solo, you have to walk all the way up to him on the stage and he would kind of hold the microphone out just a little bit. And that's how people would hear your solo. He would just, you have to walk all the way up to him. So depending on how good your solo is, that's how close or far away the mic gets to you. So (laughs) so just imagine the first couple of times I was playing my solo when I first got in the band In the band, I'm like the youngest person, me and the trumpet player, because we went to school together, we were the youngest people in the band. Everyone else was 30 years older than us. Hmm. So, so we're, I'm there playing my solo, and I'm thinking I'm ripping it. I'm playing all, I'm playing like these minor chords, and I'm doing like these nice little lines and stuff. And then I'm, then my solo, he just, thank you, that's a round. <laughs> <laughs> my solo, really quick. And then over the weeks, I just learned. I learned what he would like because he would keep the microphone out there longer. So it was really important. He really shaped just a hard lesson like that because this is on stage in front of thousands of people. This shaped how I played and how I needed to tell a story and how I needed to dig deep and really, like one note can really be profound. Mm-hmm. Either, you know, if some people, you know, some people like playing many notes, but I'm... I'm from the country. This one note can really make a big difference in how you tell that story. So I, I, I can say I learned most of most of my storytelling from him in in church. In church, you, you really have to tell a story. It's really important to tell a story. And I guess um, the other place I play at this place called the Village Underground um, in New York City, right across from the Blue Note, with a young lady, great R&B artist Cheryl Pepsi Riley. So whenever I'm in New York, you can check it out every Monday night. Um, I play there, uh, well, technically I'm still there whenever I'm off tour, but I do my horn section thing there. So I was able to really, uh, and that's actually how I met many of the guys from Snarky Puppy, and that's the great networking spot. So that gig right there really sharpened my skills as far as networking and style, because we play every style. We play R&B, we play Motown, and you have to play Motown, when you're playing Motown. You can't play jazz Motown. You have to play Motown. When you're playing blues, you have to play blues. When you're playing reggae, so it's a lot of music I have to study. And I'll say those two gigs really sharpen my skills, you know, from a business level, because you're seeing everybody. You know, the bass player from um, The Tonight Show, 
uh, Mark Kelly. He's there all the time. We play together a lot. Uh, you see Robert Glasby comes there because, you know, he's he comes there and he'll sit in sometime. I mean, you really see everybody there. So it's good from a networking side uh, and from a musician side. That's that, that's um, amazing. It's just, man, it's just your story is so great, really. I, I love, thank, thanks for being on the show. I just, I just love, I just love your story. My next question to you is with all those great people performing there, now you mentioned New York City, how do you, or, or what would you say to an up and coming artist? How do you, you know, come to those people and, To get musical collaborations or just you know jam with them how do you do that the the best thing i would tell any young musician uh be visible be visible and you know that's that's really new york because they see so many musicians on a regular basis you can't come to new york for a couple of days and think you're going to get a gig like that new york uh it's about relationships It's about building relations. They may see you at the jam session one day. They may see you at a gig another day. Then they, you know, you may exchange numbers and they may see you on Facebook another day, you know. So it's really a long-term relationship, uh, but it's a mutual relationship. You really love their music and they really love your music. That's that's um, one of the main ways New York uh, collabs really happen. Because the musicians on my album, I played with them in many other bands. And then, uh, like, my first tour to Japan was with the drummer that's on my album, Adam Jackson. And I remember hearing him, and I was like, yeah, yeah, man. And this was, like, five years before my album came out. And then he would come to where I played, the Village Underground, and I'd see him there, and then we would always keep in touch. Uh, another guy, Jesse Fisher, this guy plays with so many people. But he also produces also, and he also is an engineer, so... We kept in touch, and I would always check out his music, and I would play on many albums that he was producing or engineering. Um, so each collaboration, so having a business card and really e email that full contact is really, really, really important. Really important, you know. Mm -hmm. Talk to them, get the number, uh, send them a contact. And just be visible. Be visible as much as you can and practice and just sound great, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. And when you say be visible, it kind of connects to what I was talking about earlier or we were talking about earlier about, the, you know, the business side of it. So the importance of having business cards to have email, like you said, and to have a good online presence. So you said it's important to have a good looking website. And I mentioned episode two with Bob Yuzinski. What I want to mention it once again because it's really worth it plenty of great advice there okay now let's get started with touring now you are in in you said you're in france then you will go to malaysia to japan then you will be back in europe yeah, yeah. how how do you find places to perform can be festivals or venues how do you how do you organize a tour how do you decide the destinations and, and cities and all these things? Uh, for me, I'm maybe one of the, the you know, you have many, many different types of touring musicians. You have, um, I mean, some people still, I, 
I mean, I have a, a, my main immediate family, but I'm, I'm not married to anything, so I don't have any kids. So a lot of people like to tour, and then they like to come straight back. Um, I like to do my touring more so in blocks. So it's like two months or three months at a time. Then I take a, a large break, and then I go back out again. Um, so a lot of people, let's say like the Malaysia tour, they, they called me for, for the, the tour in Malaysia, the KL tour. Uh, for example, so that's in. I said another great thing. Uh, Google Maps. <laughs> now I, I have to pull up Google Maps, uh, Google Calendar, Gmail, Facebook every day, and just synonymously just look at all of these at the same time. Okay, so if I'm in Kuala Lumpur, um, one of my friends from there they said, "Hey man, um, why don't you hook up something in in Singapore?" So. They called one of their friends, and they told one of their friends that I would be in, in Malaysia. So I'm actually, I'm playing a gig, and I actually didn't get a chance to put it on my calendar yet, but I'm playing in Singapore this time. Okay. Um, and that'll be right um, right after I leave Malaysia. So they're, they're going to fly me from, from Malaysia. So a lot, of, a lot of clubs, they want to know um, where will you be because it's, it's important for them for travel. So instead of flying you from the United States to Singapore, it's easy to fly you from Malaysia to Singapore because they're right next to each other. Um, so yep. it, for a club and booking standpoint, it's, it's good to look at it from that angle also. And, you know, and it's good to tell, like, I organized my tour to go to Japan right after Malaysia because I'm in Asia. Um, and so things in that line works great. Um, the only uh, rough part of this part of the tour is I have to fly from Japan to Malaysia to United States to South Africa. <laughs> how, many, how many hours is it? Are you going to be on a plane? Of, I, of course, there are stops, but I'm scared to find out. <laughs> <laughs> They're still trying to work that out, but. Um, I would tell many, many musicians now, uh, I do a lot of master classes and a, a lot of clinics now in conjunction with the festivals. Like uh, I just played the Nicaragua Jazz Festival, um, and it's a three-city three festival. So in all of the three cities, um, they also set up a master class in each one of the cities. Like uh, Esteli uh, was the first city, uh, Hinotepe, and then uh, Managua. Was the uh, was the final city? Um, that was great um, for networking. It's great because you get a chance to uh, find other musicians. Because for budget, you also have to think budget wise. You're not always able to bring your full band, so you're you're looking for musicians. Also, um, like let's say, like they actually hired me uh, two weeks later uh, to come back to Nicaragua. And I didn't have my band, so I actually had to have really good contacts for other musicians to to set up another band. Same thing with the Malaysia Festival. Um, they, they'll be setting me up a band there. So, I mean, because of, like, the recession, um, budget, they're not able to fly a full band from the United States. That's kind of what's happening now. So your musicianship and how you learn and teach you know, your show, you know, sending the charts and all of these things are very, very, very important. Okay, so kind of to 
to go with the full package in a way, you know, like not only playing the gig, but also doing workshops, master classes, and that kind of uh, like related events. That's that's um, that's what I that's what I do now. I mean, it's great because I love teaching also, and I've always done stuff been in the community and with kids ever since I was a little kid. So it's uh, it worked perfect for me. Um, it was a I guess a perfect marriage, and between that and my networking, um, the whole business side, um, speaking speaking of programs, um, so I have to do all of my booking and my my booking things. So these different programs I really need to actually shoot this information out. So these things are really important that every young musician needs to know, especially when you're talking about touring. It's very important. And how do you, once you have uh, your dates, your locations, how do you communicate that to your fans and followers? Well, I see here on your website that you have the Google Calendar, so it's it's pretty easy. Do you do you use other means? Do you use, I think, maybe Facebook, Twitter? Do, do you use also websites like Songkick or Bands in Town? Yeah. Well, actually, truthfully, I use all of those. Um, mm -hmm. I use the Google Calendar for um, for my website, and that's the easy. It's the easy way for my website. Um, a quick a quick thing to tell anyone, uh, any young musician with a website, the cheapest and the best way to do it: um, set up a, set up a blog and find a really great theme. Set up a free a free blog and find a really great theme. Then you can post all of your stuff from a mobile phone, and you can keep your website fresh, mobile-wise, and you won't need to pass it through like uh, someone else to make it, you know, to update it very easily. And also, all the connect all of your information so that everything is at one hit of a button. So let's say if you do something, take a photo through Instagram, put it in Instagram, but hit the button for Facebook the button that goes to your website, the button that goes to Twitter, uh, the button that goes to Foursquare, so that it all goes everywhere with one button. Mm -hmm. And actually, this uh, kind of network of social media and platforms, it's also one of the tips that you might remember from episode four, we had Buddy Vogt on the show and we talked about SoundCloud Mastery and he was giving us Tips and he was talking about the do's and don'ts of SoundCloud. Of SoundCloud, and one of the biggest mistakes he noticed that musicians do really often is what you just mentioned: not to connect, you know, their Facebook with their SoundCloud, with their website, and all these kind of things. And sometimes this can get a bit tricky. Now I have another question for you. Since we we started to talk, kind of, we went a bit technical in a way so we talked about google calendar um i mentioned song kick bands in town what is is there one app that it's kind of you, your swiss army knife so that the one app that you know you kind of couldn't live without especially when you're touring mm, that's a uh hoot sweet hoot sweet uh h-o-o -O. S-U-I-T-E. Uh, 
Bootsweet is great because um, for a person like me and for many musicians out there, uh, you have to sleep. You know, sleep is important. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, you you also sleep? I didn't. I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't get much of it, but uh, <laughs> I, I sleep a little bit. But the good thing about Hootsuite, you could put in um, your Facebook, Twitter, uh, Foursquare, and your fan page. So you can put your fan page and your profile page, and you can post one thing, and it could go to all of these things. And or you can just schedule uh, timing. Like uh, a lot of times when I'm on a plane, I I'm not posting. I'm not technically posting. I would schedule something because I know I will be on a plane for the next 14 hours. So I will schedule my post so that they continue to run. And that's really, really, really important for your fans. Your fans, like I have fans that are on many different time zones. So let's say around 6 uh, Eastern. Um, let's say 6 Eastern is 5 o'clock in Mississippi. But that's also um, 8 o'clock in Japan, in Malaysia. So, um, well, it's in Japan. So you really have to think about all these things, the optimal times of when to post. And it's great to schedule your post whenever. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. I wanted to ask you. So do you, do you send out specific tweets at specific times? So, for example, if you want to kind of, if your target audience are your fans in Japan? You send it at a kind of suitable time for them. If it's someone in France, then you you will schedule your tweets at their at the right time. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Um, because wherever you are, they that's where you're having the most buzz at that particular time. So when I'm in uh, Nicaragua, that's the time zone that you know because i'm touring here i was touring there for a while so everyone wants to know you know you know what's going on now you know uh they want to see some of their pictures from their last gig or something like that mm -hmm. so you want to post optimally at that time first it's op optimal time for them and actually it's it's pretty funny that you mentioned hootsuite because it's also the tool I constantly use, even though I'm not touring, unfortunately, <laughs> but I use it all the time because on the Jazz Spotlight, I write about clubs and festivals all over the world. So if I want to write about a gig that is happening tonight in Tokyo, I want it to, to the tweet to be out at a good time for fans in Tokyo. And it's actually... The same tool Bobby mentioned on episode two of the Jazz Spotlight when he talked. Oh, really? Yes, when he talked about Twitter, he also mentioned what are the best times to send out tweets. So there, he he has done some tests and he has seen what are the best times for weekdays tweets and for weekend tweets. So it's definitely worth checking out. And he also said that he always schedule his, his uh, uh, tweets or Facebook posts in, in the morning so that he knows that everything is, you know, it's set up. And he he's even said that a bit like you said that, yeah, if I know that I'm going to be on the plane for the next 14 hours, he, he said pretty much the same thing that, yeah, if I know that I'm going to go, let's say, on vacation the next week, 
I'll make sure to schedule my tweets in advance so that everything will go out at the most suitable time. So for, for those who are not using Hootsuite yet, you can, it's actually free. You can try it for free. And there is also a pro version that gives you some enhanced fun functionalities. But for starters, you could try with the uh, free version of Hootsuite. And you can try it if you go at the jazzspotlight.com slash Hootsuite spelled H-O-O-T-S-U-I-T-E. Uh, -O -O I will put it also in the show notes, so don't worry about it. You you will be able to, to sign up for free to Hootsuite and start to use it so that you can do as Ezra, Ezra does and, you know, connect all your platforms and, and be sure to take the most out of social media and, and online platforms. Now, as my next question to you, it's a tough one. You have to tell oh. us, us a behind the scenes story. What is the weirdest thing that happened while on tour? Is there something that just, you know, left you with your, with your mouth completely open and you, your jaw dropped? What is there? Do you, do you have some anecdotes for us? Oh, wow, man. Uh, that, I don't know. That kind of happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. Uh, well, let me say a tip first. Expect anything on tour. <laughs> expect anything like anything could possibly happen um well i guess a quick 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 two tips uh language try to learn whatever you wherever you are try to learn the simple bathroom you know <laughs> hello uh things of things like that uh uh thank you in all of these countries that you're going to try to learn that first as a respect number one And also, you know, everyone has to go to the restroom. So, you know, you need to know because <laughs> <laughs> if no one actually, you, yeah, you need to know these things. So those things are very important. Um, I guess a funny story about that uh, language-wise and one way I needed to know it. Uh, my first time coming to France, I didn't know um, I didn't know the word for restroom. So I was at Starbucks. I'm at, always at Starbucks. Um, oh, Starbucks and McDonald's, anywhere in the world, always internet. So <laughs> you ever need to make a call, send an email, just look for a Starbucks or McDonald's. <laughs> But um, so I'm there trying to use the restroom. Um, so I'm like, uh, uh, restroom civil play. So I'm thinking he, he doesn't know what I'm saying. And then uh, I finally figured it out. Uh, toilet. Mm -hmm. So toilet, civil play. And he points upstairs, and then he says something else. So the line is about 10 people long. So I get into this line, and then I finally get up there, and I can't get in because there's a code. So the other thing he said was the numbers to the code. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's good to know the language. The language is very important. Uh, musically, let me see, the craziest thing. Um, man, uh, my first time, my first time in Africa – You get there and um, you don't have your luggage. And your luggage has everything for your, my effects, you know, my other reads. And I have to perform the next day. Um, 
it actually had my other neck to my saxophone. Um, so that maybe was may have been the worst, the worst time. And I ended up, and I didn't bring my uh, my converters. So no U.S. converter. Um, I had so I I couldn't set up my wireless microphone. I really couldn't play my saxophone until my luggage got there. Um, that may have been one of the one of the worst experiences. So I had to rent a saxophone. So it it all worked out. It all worked out beautiful. But touring wise, anything could happen. Like uh, let me see another story. We were on. We went Belgium. So we're in Belgium, and I'm in charge of the band, and we're so we're getting ready to play, and the vocalist isn't there, and they have called the band, and we're on stage, and we're playing the first song, and the first song is the intro song that the singer comes up, but the singer never shows up, so it's about ten minutes, and we're playing the same song <laughs> <laughs> because we can't play the rest of the song because the singer isn't there, so it's. It's, it's about looking professional all the time. Like, because the people on the other side of the stage never know what is happening. They never know what's going on. I mean, it's, so your idea from a musician's standpoint is to always make any mistake look like it was meant to happen. Like, if you fall, make it seem like that's a part of the show. If your mic comes out in, in the middle of your solo, like that happened to me a lot of times. The wireless completely comes out at the height point of my solo. You just keep playing because the TV cameras are still going. So just keep going. I mean, I, I have many, many stories. I just can't tell them all. <laughs> and and now the other side of the coin, what is the best thing that has ever happened to you or something that really impressed you that you were just like, wow? Wow, man. Lately, that's that's been happening a lot. Um, um, right now, I'm working on a program, um, an educational program in Nicaragua. Um, so, I, I got called back to to actually have talks about the program and be really excited about it. But it was just a chance. So, actually, um, and another great thing. Um, I didn't set it up to get paid up front. This was like programs that I'm working on for the future. So I had a little vacation time, so I was able to work with it. And the benefits of me doing that, it quadrupled just for me doing, for me going there to, as an intro talk, I was able to set up four future programs with just a simple, uh, good gesture of an intro talk. Of going going there just to just to set that up, um, that's one thing that happened recently. That's completely amazing. And I guess the other thing that happened recently that's that's amazing. Um, uh, my album, uh, my first debut album. I'm sold out of CDs, so I just had to reorder a shipment of CDs, um, and they just came in. Now they're sitting in Paris right now, waiting for me. And then the other shipment just just flew to the United States. Um, So it's been great support, and I'm like one of those musicians that aren't, we're kind of under the radar, as they may say. Um, mm -hmm. But I have a wonderful, amazing fan base, amazing fan base. And I really love, I really love my fan base, uh, and they really support me, and they've been supporting me for years. 
So many musicians like myself that you may you may not see them in a magazine or something, but my my fan base is amazing, and I really love them, and they love the music, and it's 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 a grind. So I'm here to tell many other musicians like myself that it's possible. You can do it. You can do it. I'm doing it, and you can definitely do what I'm doing and above. That's that. Those are just great words, and for all. Those who are listening, really, trust me. Ezra is a great guy, and like he, like you can you can get an idea of who he is from his music. But but really, like just if you ever happen to see him live, just go talk talk to him, say hello, talk with him a couple of minutes because he's he's a great guy. And again, I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Man, my pleasure, my pleasure. Now, always staying in the touring field. What is the the best place you've ever been at? You could mention either a city or a country or even a venue or a festival. What is the place that is really that you just loved? Ah, let me see. Um, uh, La Réunion, France. Um, it's a French colony right off the coast of uh, Madagascar. Uh, man, this place has uh, white sand beaches, black sand beaches, rainforests, uh, everything, volcanoes on a very small island that's that you can that's only two hours drive around the whole island. I, And how did you get? How did you end up there? Man, I was playing with a, a hip hop. A hip hop artist, a world hip hop artist, uh, Blitz the Ambassador. Blitz the Ambassador. I played with him many years, and I was we were on a festival there, and we actually took vacation there also. This place is amazing. This place is amazing. I would say there, um, my favorite places: uh, Dakar, uh, Senegal. Mm -hmm. um, there, man, it's like seeing a movie. It's like, it's like. Watching life in 3D or something. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the colors in Africa is amazing, and uh, Japan. I'm um, I I tour Japan a lot, and every time I'm there, I always see something different. I go to the temples. I, I mean, you get a chance to see the architecture, everything. So those are my three favorite spots, favorite spots, and I always go there for to create also. Yeah, and and what what place? You haven't been yet that you would love to perform at one day. Ah, Dubai. Dubai, du okay. Dubai is on my list. Uh, uh, mm, let me see. I have a long list. Shanghai. Mm -hmm. Um, let me see. Uh, Dubai, Shanghai, and um, uh, uh, where haven't I been? That's a good question there. Um, well, other countries in Africa. Um, I really want to go to Kenya. and um, um, I really want to go to Kenya. And I may get a chance to go this time when I go to South Africa. I'm going to try to do a little more travel. Mm -hmm. But those three places mainly I haven't been that I really want to go. But Dubai is number one on my list. Okay, so let, I, I hope you... You'll manage to, to geek there soon because I've also never been there, but I'm sure it's a, it's a great place. So I hope you get there soon. Yeah. Now, we, 
like you've talked about Japan and we've mentioned Africa, how how does performing in a different country with a different culture impact you? Or maybe I rephrase, how, how do you prepare? So, for example, you know that in certain countries, audiences can be more like a uh, uh, kind of... Uh, active so shouting and and these kind of things and in other countries or in other cultures perhaps audiences can seem you know at, fir at first they may seem a bit colder how do you how do you cope with that um the best thing to do is do your show i mean it's, it's a it's a learning experience um because many different countries like you said because of the culture in Um, they react to the music a lot differently. Uh, like the first time I was with my band in Japan, um, unlike, unlike, you know, New York or Mississippi, you know, they're singing things back, you know, it's like call and response and they're clapping and all kinds of stuff. A lot mm. of people come to the front of the stage. In Japan, it wasn't any of that. It wasn't zero of that. And then at the end, I had about five encores. So it was confusing. I was like, man, they don't like the music. But then you realize that they love the music. But because that's, they do it differently. Um, same thing when I was in um, Nicaragua uh, for the master classes. I'm so used to, uh, I guess, uh, you ask a question and a lot of questions. A lot of places we didn't get many questions. But at the end, they really want to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. So um, it's a culture thing, and I, and I realize they, um, I guess in Nicaragua, uh, a lot of friends were telling me they don't do it like that publicly at first, but then they really want to do it one-on-one. -on -one. They want to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. So it was like a line one-on-one. -on -one. So different things that you learn in many different countries, uh, like uh, the Osaka side is a little more, they party a lot more than... They're, I guess, a little more vocal about the music than the Tokyo side. Mm -hmm. So just knowing that, but at first, play your show and just play a great show um, and let them feel the music. And then you'll learn. Amen, brother. Let them see. Let them hear the music. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. Now I have um, kind of logistical question <laughs> logistical okay. sounds a bit weird but i'm sure i'm sure that you know all the fans but also the musicians listening to the podcast might be wondering about this how in terms of of gear and equipment and you mentioned earlier you know the new stock of your cds arriving in paris how do you get ready for a tour oh wow um uh the well I guess even even uh, better, the new CDs that I have, they don't have the the glass or plastic lay. So it's a flatter CD. So if you chew a lot, the new flatter CDs are lighter. So you can carry 100 or 200 easier in a bag because when you're traveling uh, internationally, everything is about weight. How, how much does it weigh? So you can carry more CDs uh, in your bag. So having, amount, having CDs for travel is very important. 
you know, um, everything from your instrument and your equipment, knowing which which uh, power the international plugs or connectors you should bring. I have to know. Well, now I, I have all of them because I'm going to a string, a string of them. But when I was just going to Europe, I had to go. I have a Europe box, so I have all of my Europe plugs. Uh, I would have to bring those. Um, so that's important because if you forget that, it's it's kind of hard to find it, you know, when you're at soundcheck. Um, mm-hmm. That's important. And like we were talking about Hootsuite, Hootsuite and Twitter. Um, some places in the world, Twitter may be more popular than Facebook. So you really want to try to create your buzz before you get there um, because you can't rely on the club to do your promotion. So now, sorry, I have to interrupt you because I have a magic question. So how do you do that? How do you build a buzz before he- uh, heading there? How do you personally do that? So personally, I guess you would... Um, First, notify. Say if you've been there before, you want to definitely notify the people that you know there of your arrival when you're coming. Uh, let them know, and then start doing um, what we call a soft buzz. You know, you will announce it. Let's say Facebook or or Twitter. Um, I think you could do it through uh, uh, the different the different apps. You can set it up to do it automatically, but you can announce it maybe two months out and then they're like well oh like oh okay but you want to make sure that you have your full calendar on on your facebook um like for example my profile page um my profile picture you hit the picture and actually you can also see the calendar also but i also have there's a tour button link also so you want to make sure it's easily accessible Uh, so that they know and you want them to even be excited. Like I got people that in Japan, they stay near Tokyo, but I, they saw that I'm playing in Osaka. So actually they're pre- preparing to actually just travel to Osaka to see me. Mm-hmm. You know? So give people chances. As long as they know early, they can make preparations to come to your show. It may be two hours travel. But these are your fans. You want to give them that chance. Um, like I said, sending the information out early in Hootsuite, using Hootsuite. Let's say like one week, two weeks. Uh, make it a gap. And then you can use certain flyers or pictures from that time period when you were there last to connect <clears throat> to connect to send that also to actually create a, create a bigger buzz. And make sure you always connect with the club there on Twitter and on Facebook, the club, wherever you're playing, or the festival. And maybe the music- musicians that are on that festival or that club. Those different ways are very important. And how, how do you do if, you, if, you, you, if you're heading to a country where you don't know anyone? I don't know if that has ever happened to you, but if it has, how do you do that? <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know that you're going to perform at Club ABC or at Festival XYZ, but other than that? For me, um, let's say uh, Singapore. Singapore. So it'll be going, my first time going to Singapore. So my first thing I would do, so they've already booked the gig. I first do my research, and research is important. I want to know all of the other jazz clubs that are in the city. And then 
I want to know, you know, you can see what bands, you know, some bands may be similar style. So you kind of know, oh, okay, you get a, a gist of the city. You know, you know these these people, and you can maybe even connect with them, uh, those musicians first. Because I'm a, I'm a musician lover first. I love music. I just don't want people to just come to my show. Uh, I also love music also. So I want to connect with the other musicians that have been there and they're doing really great things also. And maybe they have great tips, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it, it creates a bond. So maybe I'm there, I can sit in on their gig, you know, maybe I get there a day early. Like I'm getting there a day early. I'm going to play with um, a wonderful pianist. Uh, her name is Aya. Um, she's from Japan, but she actually is stayed in New York for 20 years. So it'll be my first time meeting her, and I'm going to sit in on her set and actually um, maybe even work out a horn section thing on another gig that she has. So it's, a, it's all about this mutual contact, um, and it's great in that line. And as far as your fans, um, for new, new, new city, you just want to try to create their many different blogs or uh, Facebook groups for jazz lovers for that city. So mm -hmm. make sure that you send the information to the club itself so that they can dual promote your flyer on their website and on their Twitter. And so that you, and maybe even the groups, the, the groups or the jazz groups of that city also. So the people that didn't know, so make sure you post your, you know, like a YouTube or, you know, photos or things that, you know, something short about yourself. So they can get a gist of who you are. So they'll be there. Yeah, no, that's that's actually that's re really smart thing to do just to, you know, to do some research, like you said. And perhaps the jazz spotlight can help you if you're looking for jazz clubs around the world. Sure. You can head to the jazzspotlight.com slash clubs. And if you're looking for festivals around the world, just go to the jazzspotlight.com slash festivals. And there you find two different maps where, where there are the festivals that I've written about. So you definitely should check it out when planning your next, your next gigs. Do you, do you have an email list or a newsletter for your, for your fans? I can say that is the one thing I don't have. I think I, I will start that very soon. I have some mm -hmm. great newsletters that come to me and this is one thing that I really should do. And I think everyone should do. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do mine via uh, Facebook and Twitter more so, but I will be starting an email list. So actually you will be getting one soon, sir. Man, that's, that's, that's great. And actually um, we talked about email lists with both Bobby on episode two and Budi on episode four, and they both highlighted the importance of having an email list on the website because it gives you direct access to hundreds or even thousands of, of people because you never know what, what happens. That's one of the things Bobby was, was talking about, why you can't rely only on social media because of the constant changes. And to some extent, social media are unpredictable, whereas your website it's already more stable and your email list, it's even more stable because, you know, even if let's say you have a problem with your website, you can still send an email to all your email uh, list, like followers and just say, okay, my website has some problems. I will be back up 
tomorrow or in two days or this is my new blog so i think it's really important and the tool i use to create an email list it's called aweber and you can try it sign up for just one dollar if you go to the justspotlight.com slash get aweber and aweber is spelled a w e b e r so i will put it also in the show notes but i definitely recommend to everyone listening like like you said that you're about to do it everyone should do it whether you are an artist you run a club you have a festival you have a business that it's not strictly connected to music really email lists are really important and it's important to think about the people on your email list as people and non and not as number like in marketing this there is the expression the money is in the list uh-huh, well, yeah. to some extent, it's true, but you should think about the people first because it's all about bonding, like you said, and creating value for people. So be it giving fresh news and updates, free special content, or whatever you can come up with or whatever suits you the most. But really, you should get an email list. Now, let's talk a little bit about your solo debut album the journey first first question is the title related to your life on the road so to your musical journey or how did you come up with the title it it is my musical journey uh my life on the road um it's it's both like if you listen to the album you would actually get a chance to hear uh some of the the influences of some of the places i've traveled um, the album itself is kind of it's uh, it's kind of different because some of the songs are very different, but when you put the album together, when you play it from top to bottom, you can hear the story. But to, like uh, track number two is kind of bluesy. It's for my it's for my southern my southern jazz people, almost southern blues kind of type. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a kind of uh, Al Green Motown feel to it. Then you know, got a song like Flower Pot, which has got that New York kind of vibe to it. Um, and then you have many, uh, many other songs may have like a kind of churchy vibe. Um, <laughs> some of us got you know, really, um, like Sendai. Sendai is maybe one of the hardest songs to play for me, but uh, it's maybe one of the most popular that everyone loves. I guess Sendai and Flower Pot. Um, Sendai itself is yes, it's a complete story, and that story is about the. Um, I wrote it when I was in Sendai, Japan. It was about the uh, tsunami and and the earthquake there, the things that happened after that. And we will for all those who are perhaps listening to the podcast on iTunes or YouTube or SoundCloud, you can head over to thejazzspotlight.com/episode seven, and in the show notes you will find the links to all the resources we mentioned, to Ezra's website, and also to his CD, so you will have a chance to listen to it and enjoy this great musical journey. Yeah, let me know what you think after you listen to it. The, oh, definitely, definitely. I will let you know. My perhaps final question to wrap up this episode, we're almost at the one-hour mark. It has been so great. Thank what you. tip would you have for all those musicians who perhaps are living in small towns 
and they they kind of would like to to start touring but you know they come up with plenty of reasons not to what would you tell them Ooh, okay uh well let me first say um i was born in a really small town Florence, south carolina it's it's it's, it's pretty small <laughs> so um the one thing i could tell you um the number one thing is dream dream uh think about where you want to be and set goals dream about it because these dreams happen um if you want to see yourself touring uh uh the world start putting that out in the universe then and then start making plans for that uh cuz i have many great friends like they play with like all the great pop artists like you know i got friends that play with lady gaga you know even mm-hmm. uh uh mary j Blige, uh tyler perry you know many and then i have a, a whole group of another friends and we all grew up together they only do tv stuff tv stuff and studio stuff like licensing yeah and they're on many many different albums and movies but that's all they do um, and then I have another group of friends that they mainly tour the United States. So mm-hmm. think about exactly what you want to do um, and then start researching people that do that already, like other great musicians that are also doing that. And the main thing, use your status in your city because you want to be known in your city first. That's very important. Um and it's good to know all the legends in your city because you, you can't really play jazz if you don't know all the jazz musicians that play in your city. Um, so you want to be keep practicing, working on your sound, and play as much as you can in your city. And then save some money and start buying tickets to places that you want to go and start visiting those places. Mm-hmm. Um, do your research to know the clubs that you want to research the clubs and the jam sessions and buy a ticket, get a hotel room or try to book a gig and then go there and network. And that's how it starts. It starts with a small network. And then, you know, the more and more you're playing there and then maybe like I was in South Carolina, maybe if you wanted to book in New, in New York, you make a book in DC also then you make a book in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, Virginia, so on and so forth. Um, try to book, or even if you're in a, you can try to book one hour or two hours from your home to branch out your um, your sound and your fan base. So there are many different techniques to do it. But when the last thing I just say is, dream. I mean, dreams are real and they happen every day. Man, that's so inspiring. Really, thank you so much for being on the show. Before we wrap up this episode, what is the best way to find you online? If people would like to learn more about you, where can they find you? You can always find me at EzraBrown.com. That's E-Z-R-A-Brown.com. Um, you can always find me on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash EzraBrown. I have a fan page there. Uh, Twitter, Twitter.com forward slash EzraBrown. Um, what's up? Uh, Ezra Brown uh, line for my people that use line you can always hit me there uh, <laughs> and my email just Ezra at EzraBrown.com 
I just had a wonderful time. Man. This is amazing. I'm going to listen to every episode. <laughs> man, thank you very much for your support. And we will, as I said, for those who are listening from iTunes or YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening from, just head over to thejazzspotlight.com slash episode seven, where you can find the links to Ezra's website, his album, and all the great resources we mentioned. This was Ezra Brown. Brother, thank you so much for thank all you. your great tips, for your support, and for the great things you do for music and music fans around the world. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. So that was Ezra Brown with Touring the World. As if you're listening, thank you once again for being on the show, for sharing your story and for giving out practical tips and advice for musicians all over the world. Now I have a call to action for all of you who are listening. If you are an artist, I think that you kind of got it from what Ezra said, the importance of, you know, looking for music venues and festivals and most importantly, to communicate those dates and places to your fans. He talked about Google calendars. So if you head over to EzraBrown.com, you can see how he presents his, his tour dates to his fans. What I would like you to do now are actually three things. The, the first thing is, if you haven't yet, head over to thejudspotlight.com slash Hootsuite. And Hootsuite is spelled H-O-O-T-S-U-I-T-E, Hootsuite. And sign up for free for Hootsuite. It's a great tool. It's the same tool that I use, Ezra Brown uses as well. And also Bob Yonzinski, you might remember from episode two, he also talked about Hootsuite and how good a tool it is to schedule your tweets, your Facebook post, uh, Google Plus post. It's really a great tool and he, you can sign up for free. So if you go to the judgespotlight.com slash Hootsuite, you can sign up for free and try it there. The second part of the call to action is actually sign, signing up for two tools that you can use to show your tour dates to your fans and followers. The first one, it's called Bands in Town. So if you head over to bandsintown.com, you can sign up for free there. And the second one is called Song Kick. So it's spelled S-O-N-G-K-I-C-K, songkick.com. And that's also a free service. And these are, I think, are really useful because you can also integrate them with one another and with, for example, Benzintown, you can integrate it with your Facebook page so that your uh, Facebook followers can see the, your tour dates there. So this is a, a short call to action, but I think it's really important that if you are a musician, you use these kind of tools to, you know, to inform your fans and followers as much as possible with all your tour dates, where you're going to be performing at tomorrow, next week next month. So benzintown.com and songkick.com. And again, I would like also to remind you that if you haven't yet, you can sign up to the Jets Spotlight newsletter. If you head over to the jetspotlight.com slash toolbox, you can sign up completely for free. You will get a free ebook that talks about online promotion for musicians. And I'm sure that you will find plenty of useful tips there. In addition to that, you will get a weekly email 
full with special tips and resources that you know you will get right in your inbox and that will help you take in action immediately. The last thing that I want to talk about is that with Ezra, we talked about his story, so from the artist point of view, but I think it's very important, especially if you have a music venue, that your website has a calendar section where potential customers can see what gigs you're going to be hosting today, tomorrow, next week, etc. So if you if you haven't yet, make sure to include a calendar or shows, however you like to call it, a section where people can see who is performing and when, and perhaps also include a link to the artist's website so that, you know, customers can just click on the website, can go there to listen to the music, and if they like it, they will for sure come to your club. Okay, this is it for today. I'm Yanni Lunga, and this is the Jet Spotlight Podcast. Thank you for listening and have a great day.